It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of the space. Slopes a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Takes a shot. Here's Corey Davis, wide open. Davis. Still going, and he's in for the touchdown. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's the q Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And I wanted to get to know Zach Wilson, the quarterback from BYU, beyond just how he slings the football, because there's a lot that goes into these draft picks, and especially when you're talking about a quarterback who's going to be the leader of the team, the CEO of the on-field product, so to speak. So I went to somebody that knows Zach Wilson very, very well. He's covered him for the last couple of years that he's been at BYU. He's a senior producer, play-by-play man, studio host. And in fact, he interviews Zach Wilson every single week on BYU TV. Jerome Jordan. Jerome, thank you so much for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. Scott, great to be here and uh, excited to talk about Zach. He's, he's an awesome dude. I get the vibe that he is the exact type of personality that would be infectious here in New York. Is that more or less how you would see it, knowing him the way that you do? Yes, he has a great personality. Like, he's fun, but he's very focused on the task. Like, he says the right things. But I also learn a ton about quarterbacking uh, when I talk to him. And he's been fun. Like, so here, here's a little bit of his background. So he is uh, comes from a little bit of money. Like, his dad owns, uh, you know, a couple of gas stations. And his great uncle is the CEO of JetBlue. And maybe the former CEO. So he's been comfortable his whole life, yet he's a a very hard worker. In fact, when he was younger, he said he didn't know that he had to be going to all these camps to kind of get on the radar for scholarships. So his freshman year, he ends up uh, playing at uh, a high school named Jordan. Then his sophomore year, he goes to a different uh, high school named Corner Canyon. They've turned into a powerhouse, one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Jackson Dart signed with USC from that same high school this year. And he ends up as a sophomore starting about halfway through. And he got one scholarship offer from an FCS school in Utah in Ogden, about an hour north uh, named Weaver State. who's actually ranked second in the country right now. They're pretty good. But that was his only offer as a sophomore, right? He's not, he wasn't like going to these camps, the elite 11. Like he ends up becoming this really good quarterback, a three-star guy. So a little under heralded, right? Um, He's committed to Boise State. He's going to play there. Grew up a Utah fan. His dad played at Utah. But he he just has like a – like I, I, I'm not sure it's humility, but he has a uh, sort of confidence bred from preparation and hard work that he wasn't uh, silver uh, – you know, fed on the silver spoon like a lot of people think given kind of his background. He looks like he might be like an 80s punk high school um, <laughs> kid, you know. But like he is so smart. He does the right thing. He wants to win. He, he puffs up his teammates. Like, he makes the great plays. He figures things out. And through that hard work, he's become one of the best quarterbacks in the country. And it's been really fun to see him come in as a, like, this kid's pretty good. Is he going to be the starter? Doesn't become the starter as a true freshman, but he starts six games in 
to his true freshman year because the senior wasn't cutting it. And so uh, off to the races. But then even last year, Scott, he didn't think he was going to be the starter at BYU going into the year. So how about that for an ascension from I've got to win this job to I might be the number one pick, maybe the number two pick. Jerome, that's what I want to ask you about because people call Zach Wilson a one-year wonder, but that's not my understanding. It sounds like when he came in and he made his debut against Hawaii and lit it up and beat Hawaii, he did really, really well his freshman year once he was given that opportunity. His sophomore year, he had that injury, and so the play really dipped. And then his junior year, he wasn't guaranteed the job because he didn't live up to what he had been as a freshman. Do you believe that the injury is really what held him back most that second year and kept him from ascending and continuing to rise as a potential prospect? Because when we saw what we saw his junior year, it really felt like he picked up where he left off his freshman year, didn't it? Yeah, and he had two injuries of note. So he, he has still played his whole college career through a left torn labrum. He hasn't fixed it. But into his freshman year, he, he, he played his freshman year with a torn right labrum and throwing shoulder. So that certainly would uh, inhibit you, right? So he didn't have, like, the full strength. So going into his sophomore year, he still wasn't fully healed. So freshman year ends, he has right labrum surgery. He doesn't, it doesn't fully heal going into a sophomore year. He's, he's probably 80%. He's not 100%. Um, he can't throw, make all the throws he wants. But he's still good. Still beats USC at home. Um, still has a nice game at Tennessee where he leads BYU to a comeback win late where BYU, he's making a throw uh, at BYU's 19-yard line with like 11 seconds left. BYU ends up winning that in double OT. That was a big win. Um, and then he breaks his thumb in game six against Toledo. He has to come back a little. So he already can't, you know, make all the throws he wants with the right labrum tear. He has surgery. He's recovered, but it's not all the way. Game six, he, he breaks his uh, thumb trying to make a tackle at the end of a game in Toledo. He throws a pick. He's going to make the tackle, and he, he ends up uh, breaking his thumb. He is then kind of rushed back, uh, like after six weeks. He probably needs to be rushed back after eight or ten. Because BYU's backup and third string both get hurt. One has turf toe, one had a couple of concussions. So at that point, he tells me off camera one day after practice late in the season, I can't grip the ball all the way, but I've just got to do my best for this team, right? So BYU kind of stumbles to the finish, loses the game at San Diego State, loses the bowl game at Hawaii, um, despite putting up like 34 points. So it was never truly healthy. So once he goes into 2020 – with uh, that labrum and shoulder, good to go. That thumb, good to go. Junior year, upperclassman, playbook. Um, and we'll get into a minute kind of his off-season preparations, which are really, really good and at a high level with some great people. Now he's finally healthy. Now he's a little older. And, yes, BYU did not play any Power Fives. That's not because BYU didn't want to. They had six lined up. They all canceled these Cougars due to the pandemic. He just eats almost everybody up. And he's making unbelievable throws and decisions. And he's not perfect, but he was almost perfect. It was incredible. So I, I, that's a long way of getting around to saying when the dude is healthy and he had one healthy year, look what he did. Incredible stuff from Zach Wilson in that year as a junior that vaulted him from somebody that really wasn't on anyone's radar to, as you said, maybe the number one or number two pick in the draft. And 
it all started at BYU, a place where nobody expected him to go because, as you know, Jerome, he grew up hating BYU. You just identified the fact that his father played football at Utah, the whole family, diehard Utah fans, including Zach himself. And so even when BYU was considering recruiting him and trying to get him on board, they had the mentality of screw BYU. And I think a lot of that, too, is because his mother felt that Zach was disrespected by BYU's somewhat lackluster recruiting efforts. Ty Detmer, who's a legend there at BYU and was offensive coordinator at the time, didn't really put on the full court press. It's not clear that he even really wanted Zach Wilson all that much. But then Ty Detmer is gone. They bring in a new offensive coordinator. And the new offensive coordinator really pushed to get Zach Wilson. And I thought this was fascinating. They were able to win him over on a recruiting trip at the last second because, as you said, he was supposed to go to Boise State. And a big part of the coaching staff's pitch was that because Zach was from Utah, if he wanted to, he could drive home and have dinner with his family on Sunday night. And I want to get into the connection with his family in a little bit as well. But I thought that journey to BYU, when nobody thought that's where he was going to go, was really fascinating when you consider the entire picture, the fact that as a freshman, he vaulted up the depth chart and ended up winning that job. And then his stock fell after the injuries and he rose all the way back up. Relentlessness and being willing to go places where he didn't necessarily expect to go. Yeah, it's, it's certainly unique. And he told me at one point, he said, hey, looking at Utah, like it wasn't necessarily a given that I was going to go there. He said, they've had some good quarterbacks over the years, but they haven't developed a ton of guys that have done much at the next level. And he's right. It's kind of Alex Smith and then the 90s, Scott Mitchell, and that's kind of it, right? But BYU, there's a history of really good quarterbacks. And you even look the last kind of 10, 15 years, BYU's had, uh, you know, a couple different starters in the NFL, albeit for a couple games here and there. John Beck uh, with the Dolphins and Ravens, Max Hall with the Cardinals, and then, of course, Taysom Hill right now with the Saints vying for that job now that Drew Brees has retired. So BYU's at least had a couple guys there, not to mention what they've done in the past, of course, with the McMahons and the Wilsons and the Youngs and uh, the Detmers and whatnot. So Zach goes to BYU, and yes, his family, all Utes, like you said, but they, uh, they fully supported him. In fact, they sang the fight song. They didn't know the words when he, when he committed. And uh, Jeff Grimes, that offensive coordinator you mentioned, and Kalani Sitake, they decided, no, this is a guy we need to go after. Because he opened his recruiting back up. It was down to BYU and Iowa. Um, he was going to take a trip to Iowa, but a kid at Iowa committed, and they said, okay, you're our guy. So BYU ended up being the spot. And, yes, he does hang out with his family a lot. He's, he's uh, got his own place, but he – he is the second oldest in his family of, I believe, six kids. And uh, there's some good ballers in his family, by the way. His younger brother's on BYU's team as mm-hmm. a linebacker named Josh. There's another uh, you know, brother named Isaiah, who's a, also a quarterback, or excuse me, Isaac. Um, and then another younger brother they all play. And Nola's daughter's a dancer. They're all athletic. Um, and, and he became one of the most beloved BYU quarterbacks ever, even though he didn't start out as a Cougar per se. But he's an all-timer in BYU history. And yeah, that, that was the pitch that got him. little wrinkle in that. So Ty Detmer, BYU had a quarterback that they were big on. It was Ty Detmer's nephew. This is why Zach Wilson wasn't the guy. Mm-hmm. Ty, De- Ty Detmer's nephew, Zadok Dinkelman, had been offered by LSU as an eighth grader, and BYU ended up getting him. Zadok ends up playing kind of D2 or D3 and, and doesn't really pan out. 
But it took BYU firing its most beloved player ever to get Zach Wilson because BYU stunk in 2017, 4-9. And Zach Wilson told me one time, he said, hey, I thought it'd be fun to kind of resurrect this, this program after having its worst season in 50 years. And he certainly did with an 11-1 and season in 2020 and a top 15 finish. And a big part of the reason why he's been so successful, you touched on this before, Jerome, is his preparation. Incredible preparation. Now, I think everybody knows, as you said, his parents, both successful business people, and his great uncle, the founder of JetBlue. So he does come from money, and some people have held that against him. But in some ways, that can be a plus, because if you take his work ethic and his determination and combine it with the resources that you need to really be able to improve and to work with the best people, you get a winning combination. And one of the guys that he's worked with was another successful BYU quarterback, not quite so successful in the NFL, but very successful the collegiate ranks, and that's John Beck. And so during the pandemic, Zach Wilson wasn't allowed to be around the team, but he still wanted to work. So what he would do is he would get in his car and he would drive from Utah all the way out to California to work with John Beck. And John Beck is on record as saying that he's not sure that this pandemic helped anybody more than Zach Wilson, at least in terms of getting better as a football player. And I thought this was interesting, Jerome, because this just goes back to what Zach Wilson's personality is. And his own brother, Josh, who's on the team, has said that he's obsessive. If Zach commits to something, if Zach is all in on something, he's going to do everything he can to be the absolute best and to get the absolute most out of what he needs to do. And so... On his drives out to California, he would listen to podcasts, he would listen to audiobooks, he listened to Steve Young's memoir, QB, My Life Behind the Spiral, and also Michael Jordan's documentary, The Last Dance. And anybody that's seen that documentary, Jerome, knows what the message is there. Michael Jordan, greatest of all time, but he didn't get there just by coasting on his natural abilities. He got there because he worked, and he got there because he was relentless, and let's be honest, in a sense, crazy. Because he took personal grudges to a new level. He would find anything to motivate him. And that's what Zach Wilson does. And he said he took a lot of that out of the documentary. He said Michael Jordan was mentally tough. He took fuel from getting disrespected. And that's why on his armband, which a lot of people don't pay attention to. They pay attention to the headband. We've all seen it. Kind of like Jim McMahon. But on his armband, it says, prove them wrong so yeah Zach Wilson comes for money and yeah Zach Wilson has advantages so it would be very easy for him to coast on that but he doesn't he takes those advantages and combines them with his relentlessness and his work ethic and like I said that is a recipe for success and it certainly has been for Zach Wilson yeah for sure and his trips to J- with John Beck have, have taught him a ton so the main thing that they worked on was being able to throw off platform, meaning your feet aren't set, the pocket's not perfect. Mm-hmm. What are those, um, you know, what are those uh, footwork uh, moves going to be like? Also throwing angles. So this is new, right? Like Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers have kind of introduced this where, okay, it doesn't have to be kind of over your shoulder, parallel to your head, throw every time. So there's a linebacker in your face, but you're trying to dump it off to the, uh, Running back, maybe it's a little more direct and it's sidearm like a shortstop uh, turning a four six or a six four three double play or whatever. Like he has all kinds of angles like that and footwork um, that he can he can do, and he just makes these unbelievable throw man throws. Man, like if you watch the film, it's unbelievable what he did this year. There were throws where we were like, oh my gosh, that's incredible. And his last touchdown might have been his best one, where he just puts it in the receiver's pocket where the corner. If he's, if he's looking at the body language of the receiver, he's never going to know the ball's coming. 
And at the next level, Zach Wilson's going to be very successful because he's going to be able to put the ball where it needs to go and these guys are going to make catches. Like, I think he's going to be a, a good to great player in the NFL. Like, I'm so excited to watch him at the next level. I want to ask you about his body type, too, because there's been a lot of people that have said he's too skinny. They worry about his frame. But here's somebody who has put on a significant amount of muscle in the past, because in 2016, his father was at a football camp and he asked one of the coaches if he would take a look at Zach. He looked at me, said, this kid's too scrawny. Now, again, 2016 is not a million years ago. That's only five years ago. At the time, he was probably about 150 pounds. And you think about that and then realize that he weighed in at 215 pounds at his pro day a couple of weeks ago. He certainly has a history of being able to build his body up strength-wise to a spot where he needs it to be. Has he talked to you at all about the process that he's used in the past and what he's doing now to get ready for the NFL? Yeah, he's working really hard on his body, um, his mind as well. And and honestly, like, yeah, is that a question? Of course, um, his weight specifically. He, he's brought that up as, as well with us, and we talk to him every week. Um, we're going to talk to him today. Um, and he, he knows that's a thing. So he wants to be at 215, 220. But, yeah, he's an incredible athlete. And, and obviously, these guys are the exceptions to the rule. But I wouldn't call him short. I would just call him kind of NFL average quarterback height, right? Of course, Russell Wilson and Drew Brees are like Hall of Famers. They're the exception. They shouldn't be compared to. But um, at 6'2 and like 215, I think he'll be just fine. He does a good job of of uh, not putting himself in a ton of danger. He was a little more reckless as a freshman and sophomore in terms of how long he stayed in the pocket. This year he really developed in terms of, okay, this is my read. This is my read. It's not there. It's not there. All right, I'm either going to throw it away or I'm just going to make a, a throw that – only that receiver can get. So I wouldn't be overly concerned about that. If you want like a big dude, obviously when you're sitting there being compared to Trevor Lawrence and even Trey Lance and uh, Justin Fields, obviously those dudes are a little, little bigger, more of the prototype. But honestly, look at the way the game's going. It's not the historical Ben Roethlisberger types that are thriving. It's becoming more like flag football where you have a smaller guy that's going to make more plays. And yes, you want that durability. And of course, if you're playing outside, um, you know, with, with the Jets, you want want to be able to uh, last and uh, you don't get to play indoors very much. So I, I get that. But I wouldn't be overly concerned about that. I want to talk about his teammates and his connection with them. And the first thing that I want to bring up, and this became a huge hot topic for a while here, is the fact that Zach Wilson was not named the captain off the bat in the 2020 season. Now, from what I understand, basically what happened here is that because Zach Wilson had to earn the starting spot, he wasn't going to be named the captain because there were no assurances that he was going to be the starting quarterback. But once he became the starting quarterback, the rest of the members of the team went to the coaches and said, give Zach the C on his jersey. Is that more or less how it went down? Yeah, that's exactly how it went down. And I've talked to uh, Zach about this himself and the head coach, Glenn talk, and that's that's how it went. Yeah. Okay. And honestly, when the captains were named, I go, that's weird. Why is Zach a captain? But it's because he hadn't officially won the spot. And they gave him the C, and he had it all year. And if you ask all of his teammates, they're like, no, no, this is one of the leaders of our team. This is not a Bo Callahan situation. His teammates seem to really rally around him. And it's funny because there were some reports that – He's quote unquote spoiled 
or that he's only out for himself. But every time I hear teammates talk about him, they seem to have glowing praise. In fact, Dax Milne, who has been a teammate of Zach Wilson's for many, many years, they played peewee together, so they've known each other since they were in elementary school. He said there's just something about Zach where he wants to be the man. Even going back to Little League years, is that the overall sentiment that you get from talking to the other players on the team, that Zach Wilson is not just one of them, but he's the guy that they look to? Yes, and Zach, so it, it's there's some guys that are like, I'm going to be around the team all the time, and that's how I'm going to lead. Zach, what Zach does is he says, I'm going to be the one that leads us in terms of, uh, you know, on the field. Like, he's, he's vocal, but he's not overly vocal. He's not like a screamer, a yeller. But what he does is say, I'm going to be the best version of myself so that my team's as good as it can be. So I'm going to train in Southern California with John Beck. I'm going to learn about my footwork, throwing angles, so I can be the best quarterback for those receivers. Like in the pandemic, he could have been around with the teammates in training, but he wanted to learn from different people uh, that train NFL quarterbacks. How does this work? To get a different viewpoint, right? He He wasn't just stuck in what everyone else was doing. He wanted to... Uh, get in a different business model, look at that, see how that weighed in, use that to his advantage, watch NFL film, talk to his coaches. Like He's a great teammate in that he is going to be the best version of himself for the team. And yes, he does have a swagger. He has like a, you could even call it like a little bit of cockiness, but it's based on his prep. And he said that the unique value for him is he's going to know the playbook more than anybody else. Like he's going to know what's open and why, And every time I talk to him, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this guy sees a million things before the snap even happens. And he he told me he learned uh, all kinds of little things this year where he's like, all right, if I see this happening with this cornerback, I know this is going to happen and I can make this throw and I can signal to that receiver. Or I can see the safety come down and that means this for the linebacker. That means this route will be open. Like he's just really, really smart about it because he prepares hard. It's been described that he's confident but not cocky. Would you say that's fair? I'm fine if it's cocky. Like because because he prepares so well that when he goes into the games, he's the smartest guy in the field on offensive defense. So call it what you want, because some people think cockiness is bad. I don't care what it is as long as that guy is good. Because Jim McMahon was one cocky SOB at BYU, but the dude delivered. So I don't hmm. care what you call it. Um, I think Zach does have a little bit of cockiness, but I respect it. And he's prepared. Like, he prepares and he executes. So who cares what he's called? Play like a jet. Play like a jet. I know you're not a doctor, Jerome. You just play one on BYU TV. But in all seriousness, what do you know about the injury? Is this something that anybody should be worried about drafting Zach Wilson? Obviously, the doctors are going to take a look, but you might know more than most people do. We actually have a medical expert over at playlikeajet.com. Dr. Steven Stoller, who is a 35-year orthopedic surgeon, has done a ton of surgeries on athletes. And based on his knowledge, he thinks that Wilson should be fine. But what do you know about this? I mean, the film, I think, speaks for itself in terms of the arm strength. He made a like a 56-yard throw on a dime against, uh, I think it was Louisiana Tech. People were using the Pythagorean theorem. Uh, during the broadcast to figure out how far that was. He made all the throws he could possibly make. There was one he made on like the first or second play against BYU's FCS opponent, Northern Iowa. He just slung it like 60 yards in the air, just boom, just right out of the gate, um, flick of the wrist. 
Um, thumb is good. He obviously can grip the ball. I, I wouldn't be worried about those. Um, he, he, he got him fixed. He played. Let the film speak for itself. He's good. We talked about how his teammates feel about him. Kalani loves him too, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Kalani Stock is one of his favorite players ever. Um, you know, because here's a guy who embraced BYU and took it from, helped take it from a 4-9 team to a 11-1 team and in a pandemic and awesome. I heard Kalani do an interview where he spoke about his relationship, not just with Zach Wilson, but with the entire Wilson family. And as we said, Zach Wilson has had advantages. There's no denying that. But he's made the most of them. And I think early on, his family realized that he had a special talent that they needed to cultivate. And they've done everything they can to do that. But they're a very tight-knit unit. As we said, his brother who's on the team is somebody that got to play a little bit extra because Zach helped get him on the field with all the blowouts. So he came in in mop-up duty, but they're close. His father was his youth football coach. There's all kinds of stories about family outings. So this is a unit that is very close. What can you tell me about what you know about his family relationships and how that's played into what he's become as a person and as a football player? Yeah, he loves his family. He's he's tied with the groups he's in, right? So it's his family. It's BYU football. It's, uh, you know, John Beck as a pseudo brother figure, if you will, in, in terms of a, another coach. Aaron Roderick, the offensive coordinator for him. He's done a great job of just embracing, like, what do I need to do to get to the next level? I'm going to go all in. His mom is is uh, like an Instagram influencer. She does a lot of great stuff. And she's like, when she's obsessed with that, she's going to dominate it. You know, um, his dad's a successful businessman. So he works super hard. He's got an excellent work ethic. He prepares really, really well. He wants to be good at the next level. And he's a kid that didn't he, like, he's, he's like us where he's going, this is crazy, right? Like I'm just, I'm just doing my thing. And here we are. Like we have a chance to be in the top five or 10, you know? So he's, he's got that level of kind of humility of like, wow, look at this, you know, but he works super hard. I'm, I'm so excited for him. Whoever gets him, it's going to be a steal because he's not going to, uh, you know, be the guy that doesn't show up on time and doesn't work hard and isn't there. Like, no, he's literally going to be the number one guy in the playbook and know that system. And his skill set is amazing as well. Because you can work hard but not be uh, skilled, but he is skilled with that, and that combination is going to be awesome. And it's going to earn him a lot of money. I was saying earlier that I think that his personality would work well in New York, but do you think he would like it here? Because he grew up in Utah, so that's a very different world. We know what it's like here. Much higher level of scrutiny than at BYU, and I don't mean that as a slight. It's just that New York is crazy. It's the media capital of the world. If you succeed, you're the king. If you don't succeed, they're going to get all over you. And if you want proof of that, take a look at what's gone on with Sam Darnold here. He's gotten crushed by the media and the fans. Everybody acknowledges that he's a good kid, but ultimately results are what matters. Do you think that's something that he would be able to handle? And would it be something that he would step into and really take on the challenge and be happy to be there? He's good at silencing the noise. Uh, BYU has one of the biggest media brigades in the country because it's attached to a church and all its members are everywhere. and mm-hmm. It's it's crazy. Um, so he, he knows how to handle it. Being the BYU quarterback, you're one of the top five most visible Mormons, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in the country. Even though he's not like an active member of the faith, he like that's a thing you have, even if you're not. So I think he'd do just fine. Like, He's so busy at practicing the playbook. I don't think he'd 
He wouldn't be uh, Broadway Joe for sure. <laughs> that chip on his shoulder, though, that would serve him well, I think, if times got tough because he could just look at his armband and it would say prove them wrong and he can go out and try to do that. Ultimately, do you think that he would be a good fit for the Jets? And also, I've got to ask you this question because when we're talking about BYU quarterbacks, there is a gold standard. That man is Steve Young. How do you think he measures up to Steve Young? If he's a third of Steve Young, I think that'd be pretty good, right? Because Steve was pro football, <laughs> famer, amazing. So, yeah, I, I don't know where he's going to fit in terms of NFL career and, and whatnot, but I think he'll be a successful starter. What that means, I, I don't know, several playoff appearances, I would hope. Like, he's just got the skills, man. He's got the mind and he's got the skills. And if he gets the, if it's the right fit and he has the opportunity, I think he's going to be really successful. Like, I, how he stacks up against Steve. Steve was a one-hit wonder in college as well, by the way. 83, second in the Heisman, Zacho's top 10, uh, you know, and BYU finishes seventh in the country and Davey O'Brien winner. And so it's kind of a similar, like if Zach Wilson had, had this season in 83, he would have done the same thing, um, but different, different era. But uh, one of the great BYU quarterbacks as well, Zach Wilson thrown in there with one of the best seasons BYU's ever had from a quarterback. Great insight from the man who is not just the play-by-play man and studio analyst for BYU TV, but somebody who has interviewed Zach Wilson every single week and covered him for three years, Mr. Jerome Jordan, giving us a great window into what the Jets should be expecting from Zach Wilson, the person. If you haven't been watching those interviews on BYU TV, you're really missing out. Go ahead and check them out on YouTube if you don't get BYU TV, and check out everything else that Jerome is doing over there as well. And check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com and on the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. We've got Kayla Pace with brand new commentaries every week, Pace's Playbook, Play Like a Jet Live with Luke Grant and Clayton Smarslock in conjunction with U Stadium. Brand new draft prospect breakdowns from Luke Grant. Those are up there. We've got Greg Newsom, Tevin Jenkins, Aziz Ojalari, and more coming your way. So make sure you subscribe right now if you haven't done so already. And give us a five-star review on iTunes if you haven't done that yet. It's an easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com.